All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 410 of the Sports Theater, TSN 1260. Welcome back to The Gregor Show. Connor Halley, presented by Play Alberta. .ca. Hope you are having a wonderful day. Remember, playalberta.ca. It's basically like Vegas, but from your couch. Experience all the excitement of the casino on your desktop and mobile device. Go to playalberta.ca and use the uh, promo code SPORTS50 if you uh, want to get a free $50 wager. So check that out. Uh, coming up in this hour, we will hear from uh, Chris Peters. It's never too early. We've kind of waited because the NHL entry draft is less than a month away. What is going on? Actually, it'll be uh, four weeks today. Uh, actually, sorry, tomorrow. Because uh, this year, oh, no, today, yeah. It's uh, Tuesday, Wednesday this year. Kind of, a, kind of a different strategy. Or is it Wednesday, Thursday? Nah, it's Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, I was right. Wednesday, Thursday, the award ceremony is on Monday, and it is in Nashville. So usually you'd have the, the NHL player awards, on, in a different city than the draft, but uh, they've wised up, and they're going to have both in the same place, which is uh, quite nice. So there you go. That should be uh, should be pretty fun. Let's get to uh, Tell Me I'm Wrong, Connor Halley edition, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, home of the note payments. No interest for one year on your AC unit. Stay cool all summer at LegacyHeating.ca. The Jason Greger Show presents Tell Me I'm Wrong. Greger, uh, I, I saw something pop up today on uh, TSN.ca that Gerard Gallant would be interested, potentially, in looking at the Calgary Flames as a landing spot for himself. It, and, you know, obviously we know Gerard Gallant uh, 
great record with teams, but it seems like as a head coach, at least as of late, the shelf life doesn't seem to be there. Uh, he was at the Florida Panthers for three seasons, then with the Vegas Golden Knights for three seasons, and then the New York Rangers for three seasons. Of those seasons with Florida, got to the playoffs the first two years, then missed. With the Vegas Golden Knights, same thing. Playoffs the first two years, then missed. And the Rangers, with only two years, got to the playoffs the first year, missed the second year. I like Gerard Gallant, but I, I think he's a guy who has to go to a team that is built to win. Uh, it's a great name. He's had some success. But I, I think there's a quick shelf life there. So if I'm the Calgary Flames, although it would be tempting... I think I stay away from him. I think it's a team that still has to do some building, not an immediate winning franchise as they are set. They still got some additions they need to make, I think, and maybe some players need to develop. But tell me I'm wrong. Uh, I, I think that Gerard Gallant would be the wrong hire for the Calgary Flames long term. It's a good discussion, Cons. Uh, I will tell you wrong for a few reasons because I think the Calgary Flames, they need to win now. They need to be a team that can be competitive. They got to get back to the playoffs. You know, Jonathan Huberto's first year of his $10.5 million deal kicks in now. Uh, they're not, they're not in a rebuild at all. I, I think, uh, Craig Conroy is going to look at his team. You know, I expect them to re-sign, uh, Elias Lindholm to a long-term contract this summer. Uh, you know, there, there might be some changes. The one thing Gerard Gallant has always had, he's a player's coach. The players love him. Management seems not to like him. The players like him. And so this might be a good, you know, maybe the key is you only sign him to a three-year deal. Maybe two, but you don't sign him to a four-year deal, right? You sign him to three, and maybe that gives you that window that in three years, because if you look at the average shelf life of a coach, three years. So Gerard Gallant has early success for your team, and that's what I think Calgary needs. He has a reputation of being a coach that players like. They like playing for him. Now, and, and Calgary doesn't have a huge abundance of, uh, of young guys. That's maybe the only thing, because he didn't play the young guys a ton uh, in New York. And I know that Craig Conroy has already said he wants the young guys. So I guess you have the conversation, hey, if we're going to hire you, I need. are you going to play something? I'm not opening up spots down the lineup and going to go get some aging veteran who you trust to play. We want our young guys. So I think it will come in the conversation. But when I look at the available head coaches – Gerard Gallant would be right near the top of my list because I think Calgary needs a coach who has a reputation of being a player's coach, and that's what he is. Interesting connection as well to uh, Jonathan Huberto, coaching him for two years with St. John's or three years and having a lot of success there in the queue. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he, he's an interesting guy because he he does have so much immediate success with these teams. I mean, helped get Vegas to the final, right? Their first year had a really good run, and then it just kind of went downhill, but... I'm interested to see where he ends up and then, you know, at the same time what the Flames decide to do as well. The uh, the off-season carousel, right now it's on pause. And there's – some people wonder about the sale of Ottawa and what does that mean. You know, Pierre Dorian has said in a lot of places he feels like he's sticking, regardless of which ownership group, because he was actually interviewed by all of them. Went through the process, probably outlined his plan. Now, maybe what maybe he left there feeling like, hey, you know what? They listened to my plan. Great. Now, I think that's very wise by the ownership group because you'll know then, hey. And I would assume if I'm the ownership group and I know I'm not taking Dorian, behind the scenes, I'm having my conversations to say to this guy, hey, if we're the owners, we want you to come in as a GM. Because once they get their hands on the wheel. Now, maybe the ownership says, you know what, by the time this deal's ratified, it might be too late. Like, is there any reason to 
make a GM change before the draft if it's only a week in free agency? Maybe. But is it going to get ratified soon enough? Right? Will the NHL, right now they haven't, haven't, they haven't even decided yet. There's rumblings that it might be by this Friday, but that's still, what, June 2nd? So I think, you know, that situation, you know, there is some residual effect, maybe, if Ann Lauer gets it, there's some rumblings that maybe Steve Stales would be one of his choices. So what do the orders do there? So that's one. But then there's the whole Dubas situation. Is he waiting to see, hey, Pittsburgh, I like you, but I want to see if Ottawa is available? Because the one difference between Ottawa and Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh's got some Hall of Famers who are nearing the end of their career, whereas Ottawa's got a bunch of really good young players. I have no idea if any of them will become Hall of Famers, but Kachuk, Stutzel, Shabbat, Norris, Sanderson, like they got a lot of guys there, and they're all locked up. So you kind of know if you come into Ottawa what your core is going to be, and then you move pieces around. Now maybe you ship out one of those guys for another two players. We'll see. But if I'm looking long-term, I think Ottawa is more appealing to me. And, you know, there's all the – and then so I wonder if that's holding up somebody – want to get coached like you mentioned Gerard Glant the other name I'll say for Florida or sorry for Calgary is Andrew Burnett I think Andrew Burnett can make a lot of sense there as well so it's a I think the the you know June yes it'll be the Stanley Cup being awarded but there's going to be a lot of stuff announced before the draft which is awesome right the next uh, 29 days in the NHL will be uh, rather busy very busy hey guys I take Glant in a heartbeat Nobody can be worse than Sutter from uh, Flames fan Brian. Many other Flames fans are chiming in. I'll be all over Gallant. Who cares about what the Flames do in three years? they got to win and be successful now. They're only getting older in their core. From Dave, I think that's fair. I think most Flame fans would probably be in the same boat. Like, which young players do they have coming that you're like, well, we got to be really patient. This guy's going to be a dominant player. Do they have one? Like, Dylan Dubé's young now. He's been on their team. right? But who do they have in the minors? Like, they had one of the oldest teams in the AHL. Right? They had lots of veterans. And I, I know that there's, you know, lots of people talking about their, you know, their farm system and, and, and how good it's been and all that. And, and I understand it. But, you know, the, their coach also was a coach. Yes, he's back-to-back coach of the year. Very good. But also in the AHL, who you have as players makes a pretty significant difference. And that was a veteran-laden team. Like, if you compare Calgary's lineup to now, like, what do they got? They got Connor Zari. He's young. Matthew Phillips. Like, man, Phillips is 24 now. He's just so small. That's my only concern about him. But... You know, like they had a lot of veteran players, more so on the back end. I think Emilio Peterson, maybe that's a guy that is a room for him. Is Poirier ready? Right, Jacob Pelche ended the season in Calgary. I think they expect him to start the season in Calgary, but I'm not sure there's any other guys. Right, uh, Dewar kind of came out of nowhere, finished the season in Calgary, so I guess that's a young guy. But they don't really have like a can't miss prospect who didn't get some time in Calgary this year in the American League. So I, I you know, I don't know how. Uh, how there is. And, uh, yeah, Brunette got hired in uh, in Nashville today. My bad. You're correct. So 
I, uh, I forgot about that earlier today. We were talking about Nashville, so I don't mind that hire in Nashville. But I will say this about the Preds. Here's the thing that stands out to me about Nashville. If I was going to tell you top teams whose elite players or had top salaries, would anyone have Nashville in the top ten? But they are. And that's because Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, like they got a lot of money tied up at the top of their lineup, and it's aging. And I'm not sure how many of them are elite. I like Forsberg. I like Yossi. But Matt Duchesne, in the last nine years, has had over 60 points twice. Ryan Johansson, like, come on. He's not an $8 million player. So, Brunette, like, Nashville's in the worst. Nashville's in what I call NHL purgatory. They could make the playoffs next year, squeeze in as a wild card team. But I don't think they go very far. And they're not bad enough to get a top five pick. So they're probably, so either they make the playoffs, maybe lose in the first round, and they pick like 17th to 19th, or they just miss the playoffs and pick 12th to 16th. That's where they're at. They're basically picking 12th to 19th. It's not a great spot to be in. Every now and then, sure. But year after year, that's the problem in Nashville. Like, it sucks to be there. Like, order fans, I know it was painful living it, but it's almost better to be that bad. Now, maybe not for that long. But if you want to get better, you have to really suck in the NHL. And Nashville has never really sucked. And which sounds strange, because it's probably good to say, hey, they found ways to be competitive. But they've never been good enough to be a real contender. When we return, Chris Peters will join us. Could they find a really good prospect where they're drafting this year? We'll find out next in the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Tuesday afternoon, rolling through Edmonton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. How are you, Jason Gregor? Connor Halley in Texas at 10 1260. Email us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, Gregor at TSN 1260.ca. As we get to our draft report, brought to you by All Tech Supply, the only Canadian-owned Valve Master distributor that exclusively supports your local supply store. Go to alltechsupply.com, strength through distribution. As uh, Chris Peters from uh, Flow Hockey Draft and uh, the prospect analyst uh, joins us uh, once again. Chris, uh, good to have you back on. Uh, we are actually less than a month away from the uh, NHL entry draft uh, four weeks tomorrow. It's on a Wednesday and a Thursday this year. Uh, a little bit different, but, um, you know, obviously we know Connor Bedard's going number one. I think that's the uh, the easy pick for you. Uh, where do you where do you rank Meechkoff? And I look at this as a potential opportunity for a team not to screw themselves because they know they can't rush him to the NHL like some teams do with young prospects. How high do you have him ranked? And do you have it as a high risk factor or a low risk factor for him coming from Russia? <laughs> yeah, well, that's I, you know obviously that's the question of the the entire draft, and it's it's great to be back with you. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, I, I think I think for Mitchkov, as far as where I have him, you know, I've I've waffled between three and four, um, you know, for the last I don't know probably months at this point. Um, you know, I think that having, uh, Bedard and, and then Fantilli as a, as, as a one, two, uh, you know, I just think they create a lot of value. And then with Fantilli, you do have a, a limited amount of risk. But in, in terms of the risk factor with Mitchkov, I don't think there, to me, you know, if he has his way, if, if Mappe has his way, 
they'll be in the NHL by the time his KHL contract is is up. So you know, I and, and I think you're right on where, you know, in most cases, a lot of these guys after number two, number three, even, um, you know, probably are not going to be in the NHL in the next year or two. It'll probably be closer to that three-year timeline that you're already talking about with Mitchkov. So at worst, you're probably only losing one year of, of yes. Mitchkov as opposed to, um, you know, you don't think of it as losing three years. You think of it as losing that one year. Um, and, you know, he's he's not a big guy. He's, he's still got physical strength to put on. But, you know, I, the questions continue, not not because of the contract, but because of the geopolitical situation. And that's certainly only, you know, escalating, it feels like at times. And, and so with that understood, you know, I think teams are, are, are willing to take that risk on for such a special player. But the value of the players in the top five, six, seven, maybe you say, okay, well, we can still get great value here. We might not get the best player available because that would probably be Mitchkov, but we're going to get some really good value here, and we have a little bit of that added security. Um, but to me, I think you know Mitchkov has superstar potential in this league, and with that, you know that's that's really difficult to pass up. But you can understand why teams that are maybe having uh, a bit more of a want, want some more certainty uh, may go in a different direction. Leo Carlson and Will Smith. Do you have one clearly ahead of the other? Is there one that you like better as an NHLer? Yeah, I do. I do have Carlson ahead. I don't think it's by a significant margin. Um, you know, I, I think that Carlson is, has kind of been in the discussion with Mitch Kopp for me for that three, four spot for, for quite some time. Um, you know, I think the, the, the various factors that are at play, you know, Carlson is a much bigger player. I think he projects favorably to the center position. I think his skating has improved enough because, uh, Will Smith is, while, a, while a good, good enough skater is not a great skater himself. Um, so you've got the added size benefit with Carlson. I think, you know, Smith is a little bit more on the dynamic side, whereas Carlson remains very skilled, highly intelligent player. Both of them have great hockey sense. You know, so I don't think there's a lot separating them besides the physical makeup of, of Carlson. So if you know, if you're gonna go between the two, you're probably gonna take the bigger player. And I think after the world championship, seeing Leo Carlson play the center position, he got moved off the center for the for their most critical game, but he had been dealing with an injury. Um, you know, so I think that, that was part of the reasons why he was moved off of center. He he held his own. I mean he was playing really well with Lucas Raymond. He played with different guys Alex Nylander Jonathan Berggren um you know so they they had a line that was threatening other teams and he was having no problem very confident on the puck um so you know I think that it's really really close between the two and and I think Leo gives you a little bit more uh two-way value and also a little bit more uh that with that size factor that you know you still want to be big and heavy especially down the middle and you get a little bit more of a projectable NHL center in Leo Carlson it was interesting, Chris. I saw your, your recent rankings, and uh, you had David Reinbacher as the first defenseman to go, because I think that's a pretty enticing question, and, and there's definitely – it's not like Connor Bedard where there's a consensus on who's going number one. When it comes to the defense, there's lots of varying opinions uh, on different guys and, and, and who's going to go where and you know which ones do they like. What do you, uh, what do you like so much about Reinbacher? Yeah, you know, I think what I what I like most about about Reinbacher is that he's he's a really good skater. You know, he's he's got size, the right shot defense. I mean, he put up some points in the sweet in the Swiss league this year. 
Um, you know, and we got to see him at the men's world championship. He was still trying to make things happen there. He actually got injured on a, on a pretty brutal hip check from uh, Rasmus Sandin. So that was a, a good lesson for him to learn about taking pucks through the middle. Um, but, you know, I think that he has a lot of the, the qualities that you look for in a modern defense and the mobility, the size, you know, he is a good defender. His offensive, well, while I wouldn't call him a dynamic offensive player, I think that he moves pucks extremely well. Um, you know, that he gets pucks up the ice quickly. I do feel like there's a bit more of a growing consensus around him as the number one defenseman for this draft. And, you know, I think that you can, there are certainly going to be some people that, that have Axel Sandin Pelika a little yes. bit higher, or there, there are some guys that might like Dmitry Simashev, uh, the, the Russian defenseman. But again, we're, we're having the same conversation with Mitch Cobb with him. Um, you know, I, I think that Reinbacher has just kind of separated himself. He's got good hockey sense. He's got, you know, he checks a lot of the boxes. And, you know, I think that there's a, there's a chance. This is not a draft where you're going to find a ton of top-end, clear-cut, top-pairing, top-four defensemen. I think he's probably the guy that projects most favorably, you know, towards that top-pairing, if not top-four, you know, at least top-four kind of defenseman. This is always a tough question, Chris, because – if you really like the guy, be like, well, I got him in the first round, right? But we see second rounders all the time that, that, you know, not all the time, but usually there's one or two or three or four every year that are second round picks that become really, really good players. And in a lot of cases, better than a lot of the first rounders. And it's because you're drafting 17 and 18 year olds. There's no, it's really difficult to, to accurately project everyone. And so the Edmonton owners don't have a first rounder, right? They're going to have a more of a late round, uh, second round pick. How deep is this draft? Like, how quality of a player should order fans be expecting to possibly land at that point? Yeah, you know, I, I think that this draft probably floats closer to, you know, most other drafts the further the further down you get. You know, obviously, I think that's the case where, you know, the, the, the lower you go, the worst value you're going to be getting and everything else. I mean, it, it's intuitive, right? But at the same time, I think that this year's draft, there's, there's quite a bit there. The thing that I find most intriguing about the second round of this year's draft is, while I don't think there are a lot of easily projectable goalies into the first round, I think there could be a lot going in the second round. There's, you know, about a collection of five to six goaltenders that are all kind of reasonably ranked around you know, in that, that, that second round range. And that kind of, it really impacts the everything. Cause if you're looking for a goalie or if you're hoping for a goalie in that range, you know, there's probably going to be a run on goalies for some of the teams that are really valuing goalies higher in this draft. I think this class has several guys that make sense to pick that high, but, you know, aside from that, you know, I think that it's pretty, you know, you're, you're going to see a lot more of the defensemen as well. We don't have a ton of easily projectable first round defensemen in this year's draft. So there's going to be, quite a bit of value there and, and, and all these other different kind of things that are going around, especially with the Russian factor, you know, there are certain guys that might not go in the first round that would have otherwise like potentially, I, I mean, I have a feeling Simashev will still go in the first round, but maybe a Mikhail Gulayev drops a little bit further. He's a bit more of a mobile offensive minded defenseman. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of impacts the, the order as well, but I think there's a reasonable amount of depth. I do think there's good value in the second round. I think once you start getting towards, you know, the later 20s in the first round, you're not, there's not a ton of separation between that and what you might find in the 50s and 60s of this draft. Um, you know, the, the gap between the players gets a lot narrower in that way. So, you know, I think that, that you know, the long story short, you're probably going to get a player that you expect will be a guy that's going to eventually play some games for you, um, even if you're picking down in the 50s. 
And the Oilers have the uh, the 56th pick in the draft. You mentioned uh, goaltenders, and they're extremely uh, difficult, of course, uh, to project. When you look at a player and you look at your own rankings, Chris, who's the one player that you have lower that you're like, God, I should have him higher, but he keeps falling in whether it's the 18th slot or the 22nd, right? Like, I'm sure there's a guy like, geez, I really like him. I just can't move him up. Yeah, you know, that that certainly happens every single year. Um, you know, and there are definitely guys that I end up, you know, really, really liking. One, one guy for me, and I'll stick with the goalie, is, is actually Trey Augustine, who's the under-18 world's goalie for for team usa and played at the national team program he had one regulation loss all year um in net so in games that he started and he was in more of a platoon role they play their goalies pretty evenly at the program so he doesn't have necessarily the number of games that some of the other guys do but there there are quite a few goalies like that so you know he's a guy where i've got him kind of in that that 50s 60s range where you know it's like gosh I, I would love to get him higher but i think some of the things that prevent me from doing that is you know he's he's below average in size for an nhl goalie not that he's small he's six one so that's not that's not terribly small for a goalie that's still right on the edge of, of where teams are but i think he's a and he just prepares so well for games and on top of that you know he's just got that calm cool collected nature and the U.S. has kind of been shallow in the goalie pool the last couple of years. So he ended up making the World Junior team as an underager and kind of got thrown in an adverse situation. And, you know, up until they played Canada in the semifinals, he really was kind of saving their bacon there for a little bit. So, you know, I think that there's a lot to like about him. I think that whoever gets him is going to be getting pretty good value. I imagine he'll be in the second or third round. But that's a guy to me that I just wish I could – you know, move up higher because I like the player and the person to to a certain degree as well. You know, having had the chance to spend time with some of those players, you know, you start to get to learn about him a little bit. I think he's got a lot of potential and, and could bring a lot to an organization. Chris, you and I have been doing this for a decade now, I think, uh, talking to uh, different drafts. And, um, you know, I always like it because you're pretty open and honest about, you know, how you've evolved as a scout and things you've learned. And, and the game's always evolving and changing. And, and players you might have really liked six years ago, their skill set might not match to how the NHL is going nowadays, right? Like goaltenders definitely have to be much better laterally side to side than they, they had to before because Ford's attack way more that right. direction. You know, we had, we had camp on earlier and he's like, man, I got to move the puck up better. I got to be able to break the puck out better. And so even if you're not necessarily a great defender, you're decent, but you can move the puck. Well, now you have even more value. So how have you had to change or evolve kind of how you scout players based on how the league is going and how the game's going? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I mean, you know, skating continues to be one of the most important things. And, and, you know, it's not everything because there are guys that that can, can do, you know, Jason Robertson's kind of the poster child for not a good skater, but, you know, has the hockey sense and the smarts and the, the other physical tools and the size um, so, you know, you, you definitely have to, I probably put more weight on skating now than I, than I have in the past. Um, you know, I, I used to really like the defensive style defensemen, the guys that were more stoppers, but now if you yeah. can't move the puck, you cannot play, you cannot play. So that, that is, that is simply, you know, it's a non-starter anymore. And you look at some of the, 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 it's not all about the numbers, but it's just, you know, does the guy make a decent first pass even? And if he doesn't, it's just like, we're off, you're pretty much not getting ranked you know so that's kind of the whole whole thing so i you know i used to like that a lot and then certainly the smaller skill guys what you start to learn as you do this more and more and you say wow this guy's jumping off the page every single time you know and and 
I, I hate, you know, leaning on size as a crutch, but you look at the NHL and you start saying, you kind of track the numbers and you say, okay, well, how many guys that look like this player are in the NHL? And if yeah. it's a really small number, that guy's got to be super special. So that's the kind of, those are the kinds of things that you kind of have to, have to think about. And I mean, it's all about talking with people too. And, and you learn so much from, from the people that are in it and then the people that you know, do what I do on, in the public realm as well. And yeah, but I mean, it's, it's constantly evolving. And I, I don't think the NHL has ever been better in terms of just the quality, the speed, the, the skill. And so now that that just raises the level and it's that much harder to make it for some of these guys. But luckily, we've got a real deep player pool on the way. So it's really cool to see uh, it all develop. Looking, um, lastly, you, you talked about the goaltending position, and, and it's really evolved. There's no question. Size obviously matters. I, I think that, that position's still changing. But, like, defensemen that used to, hey, there was a stretch there, you got to be big. And, and now you have to be big, but you got to be mobile, and you got to be able to move. The difference is, a lot of those guys, it just takes a little bit longer, and, and some of them are just naturally later developers because they don't have the strength yet to move them around. Are there some guys you look and say, hey, just because of his size and his skating ability at 17, because that's really what you're ranking them on. There's a little bit of projection, of course. Are there some late-round picks that you're like, hey, I think these are guys that could hit simply based on their, their lack of strength, but that's something that can improve over time? Yeah, you know, I, I think some of the guys that, that – that kind of fit that bill. I mean, there are quite a few. Um, and, and a lot of it, it ends up coming down to skating. Maybe they have the size, but they don't have the coordination yet. They haven't kind of they're, – they're still growing into their body a little bit. You know, one guy that I think is going to go kind of late-ish, and, and I'll be interested to see because teams are going to be intrigued by the, the package that he has in terms of his, his overall skill set, is a guy like Brady Cleveland. So he's a big guy. He's another American guy, a college-bound guy. Um, and, and the national team program had a ton of defensemen this year that just didn't really produce much at all. And we've seen that happen in the last several years where you know, those guys don't put up a ton of numbers unless they're like Elaine Hudson or Cam York or somebody like that that's really a puck-moving centric person. But a guy like Brady Cleveland is going to speak to NHL teams because he's physical, he's six foot three, he's got a big shot, he's got all those things, but he's still learning how to use all that. And so guys like that really – um, you know, he has a chance. There's, there's a Czech defenseman, Jakob Dvorak, who is the same kind of thing. He's not a good skater yet. He's, he's still figuring things out. He's getting coordination, but he's six foot four and he's got, you know, 200 pounds and there's, there's a lot of athleticism there. So you, you look at those guys and you say, all right, we know that there are certain deficiencies that this player has, but as he continues to grow into his body and understands how to learn, how to do it, does he have enough? Are the hands good enough? Does he move the puck well enough? Does he think the game at a high enough level? And those are going to be the questions those guys have to continue to answer as they go on. But you look at the athletic toolkit and says that gives that guy all the chance and all the opportunity to make it. So I, I think that we're going to see that with, with several guys kind of towards the mid-rounds, guys that will go, because I, I don't think, that, since this is not a very strong class of the top-end defensemen, you start taking those kinds of swings on players like that, yeah. and then otherwise you might just be, you know, signing them as as undrafted free agents later on. So get it out of the way now and get them into your system and get them in, under your development umbrella so that you can really work with these guys. 
I have one last one for you, Chris. Two players. I know that you have uh, Jagger out of Moose Jaw. I think he was 16th on uh, on your um, on your board. So him and Quinton Musty, who uh, who plays for the Sudbury Wolves, had, had almost an assist per game. Uh, you know, also had 26 goals. Uh, where do you see him going? What do you like about those two? Yeah, both of those guys are really good players, and I think I, you know, I may as my final list comes out, Jaeger may end up gutting back up. He, he was a guy who was really high on at the beginning of the year, kind of thought he was a little bit inconsistent this year, but but I still think that the skill level is just outstanding in his vision and 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 the things that he does. He's you know he's he's good enough in the skating department. He's average in the size department. He, he'll be fine. I think that his he thinks the game at a, a super high level. Mossy's a real interesting one because he's another guy that has a little bit of a heavier stride. He's, you know, takes him a little while to get there. But I do think that his hockey sense has really vastly improved this year. He doesn't have a ton of defensive value, which is why I think he'll probably slide to, you know, maybe the mid to the back half of the first round. But I think both those guys are likely to go in the first round. Do you think he can learn that? Like, you watch enough guys, like. Offensive guys like that, how much of it is a willingness to learn defense? Ken Holland said, hey, 700 players can play defense. It's a commitment to it. But lots of skilled offensive guys, I'm sure you've seen draft picks. Oh, yeah, he'll learn it, and they never do. Have you ever gotten a sense of seeing guys who maybe have the potential to figure it out, or has that all just come down not to skill but just to the will, and is there a way to scout for that? Yeah, it's really tough to determine. I think that ends up being a lot more of the conversations that you have outside and not maybe – with the player, but those around them, you know, I think that's where there's value in talking to coaches. You don't always get the right answer. You don't always get what, you know, no, sometimes people just tell you what you, what they want you to hear or what they think you should hear or that they're trying to sell a player. Um, but, you know, you talk to enough scouts, you say, you know, how have you ever seen him with his effort off the puck? I mean, has there ever been an instance where, you know, he did do it, you know, and I think that the biggest thing is you have to see it at some point. If you don't see it at any point, then you're going to get really concerned. So most players can do it. And if they show that they can do it, then there's got to be at least some willingness to do it. So, you know, I, I must he doesn't he doesn't strike me as the kind of player that where it's going to be a huge issue, um, you know, because I, I I do think that he's got the size factor. He does battle a little bit. He's got you know he's got some some ability to play in the hard areas. So he's not unwilling. It's just yeah, I think sometimes a player like him who's been a lot bigger than a lot of his competition. Hasn't necessarily, you know, he has the puck a lot. His team has the puck a lot. Those are the types of things where it's like, hey, we can we can do this with him. And I think that a lot of the players are willing because most of them are learning. If you don't play defense, you don't play in the NHL. If you don't do any, if you never show that effort, you're never going to make it because coaches just won't play you the further up you go. So I think that the development has gotten so much better in, in, in rounding players out that, that it shouldn't be a huge concern because it's much more difficult to teach the skill elements and the offensive elements of the game than it is the defensive elements. Chris, great stuff, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you at the draft. Yeah, all right. Sounds good, buddy. We'll see you there. That's uh, Chris Peters joining us. A uh, great rundown. If you want to want to check out his stuff, you can go to Flow Hockey. Dot com. Check it out. We'll return with five questions on the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. We roll back on the Gregor Show and have the sports leader TSN 1260. For anybody else who has had uh, a, a bird's nest uh, in or around their house, uh, maybe some uh, ducks or anything, of course, 
you know, lots of the, uh, the birds and baby ducks and goslings have been uh, hatched here in the last uh, week or so. Had a bird's nest around, and now the birds have just uh, flew out of their uh, their nest earlier today. Robin had three of them. Oh, my goodness. It's like the greatest thing. I don't know. I had seen the little ducks wherever they come out of. It's one of the cutest animals ever. So if you need a smile on your face, just uh, go look for a little uh, uh, a mother duck and uh, her ducklings. It'll make you smile. I love it. Let's get to uh, five questions. I know that's totally random, but I just saw them again. It's awesome. Let's get to uh, five questions brought to you by The Brick, who have the best deals on indoor furniture, but also now on patio furniture, sectional sets, barbecues, outdoor TVs, and more. Pick them up right now at thebrick and thebrick.com. It's time for five questions on the Jason Greger Show. All right, Gregor, since we had Philip Kemp on the show today, do you think he's an NHL player? And if so, when do you think it'll happen? Uh, I would say he's a long shot. He's going to have to improve his foot speed. Um, I, I could see him, if if the orders have some injury trouble on the right side this year, I could see him getting a game or two. But I, I think if it happens, it's going to be in a different organization just because the orders are at a different timeline now where kind of borderline players – aren't going to get the looks that they used to have over the last 15 years in Edmonton just because their team's deeper and better. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, Michael Kesselring, there's kind of the prime example, right? Three years of the Condors, gets straight to the Coyotes. All of a sudden, he plays in nine games. That so gets gets the opportunity to play as three points. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's progressed nicely, and they obviously liked him and kept him for two more years, so that's an encouraging sign. But, yeah, I'm, I think I'm kind of with you. I think the Oilers' blue line right now and how it's going forward probably going to be tough to crack. Uh, question number two, a lot of people envious of the Miami sports scene with the Heat and Panthers in the final. I know the Panthers are in Sunrise, but it's pretty close to Miami. So that might be the best sports city in North America right now. But what do you think is the worst sports city in North America right now? Ooh. Oh, man. Um, well, so I think right away a bad team. So, you know, Arizona in football is bad. <laughs> Arizona in hockey is bad. Um, yeah, that, but the the Suns are good, so I probably can't put them in there. Um, Chicago. Chicago can never be a bad sports city, so I, I can't put them in. Um, it's a good question. Um I think the, the the most aggravated fan base, the most disappointed fan base is probably Toronto. I think that's fair. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out Detroit. Uh, I know the Tigers right now just looking second in their division, but below 500. The Red Wings uh, haven't made the playoffs in a few years. The Pistons only won 17 games last season. The Lions, we, we think, are maybe on the way up, but they're not playing for another couple months, so... I'll go Detroit. I think that's uh, they're in a little bit of a tough patch right now. They had their they had their fun though with the Red Wings. Uh, question number three: When it comes to the matchups, are you looking forward to the NBA Finals or the Stanley Cup Final more? I don't know if I have a preference. Um, I'm intrigued by both for different reasons. And oh, by the way, we're getting a tons of texts. Oakland, fair to say, for people who want to say Oakland, <laughs> the A's are terrible. The NFL team left. You know what? Hey. Uh, man, it'd be tough. You're right. It'd be very disappointing. That's probably the winner. Does Oakland, I, do they yeah. play in Golden State? Or is that San Fran? Well, no, they moved the new the new stadium. It's <laughs> yeah. not there anymore either. 
So yeah, Oakland yeah, okay. Oakland sports fans. Nobody has taken it in the gonads more than them. No question. So a big winner to multiple of you on the text line who uh, texted Oakland in. I would agree. That's a very good answer. Very good answer. But uh, you know, the only team of the remaining four that's ever won their championship is Miami, and I actually think I give the Miami Heat. If I had to rank one to four best chances to win, they'd be fourth. I just don't think they have much of a chance against Denver. Maybe I'm wrong. but So I think the NHL one might be a little bit closer. So I guess that makes it slightly more intriguing to me. But I like both matchups, man. I like Obviously, I'm rooting hard for Jamal Murray. And, and I love how Jokic plays. It's fun to watch. Yeah, I think they're both going to be great. Uh, I mean, for me, a uh, longtime Raptors fan, if Kyle Lowry got his second, I'd be happy. If Jamal Murray gets his second or his first, I'd be happy. And it'd be fun to see the Joker there. But uh, I'm going with the NHL. I think it's going to be an awesome matchup. I want to see what Matthew can check. Kachuk can do, and can uh, Bobrovsky keep his game at the level it is? Uh, final, well, no, sorry, question number four. Former Cardinals receiver DeAndre Hopkins, now a free agent. Uh, where do you think he'll end up? What? How much does he have left? Right? I got, that's my question to, to start off with. How much does he have left? Um, where is he going to end up? Good question, Cons. You know what? Hey, I'll, I'll say the New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers, I'll say the Jets. That would be interesting. Uh, and and it, it is a good question. I mean, 30 years old, obviously, he did have that suspension for the failed drug test. Uh, but when he came back last year, in nine, in nine games, had over 700 receiving yards. So I think he can still jump in there and make some plays. I hate to say it, but I just feel like the Kansas City Chiefs are the the team. They'll mm-hmm. find a way to make it work. He'll take a you know a deal loaded with incentives. They'll, they'll adjust some contracts, and he'll get in there. And just give him, uh, Patrick Mahomes, that is, his target back, you know, that he lost with Tyreek Hill. I hate to see it. I don't want it to happen, but I think it's going to be Kansas City or Buffalo will find a way to make it happen. Someone in the AFC. That's what's going to happen. Final question for you. Uh, today is National Mint Julep Day. Uh, I've never had one myself, uh, but do you have a favorite cocktail? Oh, I've really, you know, when I was younger, I was never like, you know, unless you're talking Ryan Ginger, but that's not really a, a cocktail. Um, I'm big into old fashions right now. Uh, I quite like those. Um, I also, and Negroni, both of those. Yeah, I, I probably, if I had to go with a cocktail sipping, I, I would take that. Um, gin Gimblet, I guess, would be my other, I guess, qualifies an actual cocktail. You? Ooh, uh, I mean, I've. Jeez, I don't, I don't get into the cocktails too much, but if I had to say one, I'd probably go with the uh, the Moscow Mule. Uh, it is an official cocktail from the International Bartenders Association. So, yeah, I like the ginger beer. Really? Have you had one? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm a big fan of those. Got into them in Maui a couple of years ago, and yeah, every once in a while they just hit the spot. No, that's fair. I... um. I would have, you know, there's, there'll be lots of different options for cocktails, but <laughs> I have tried many of them over the last few years. I, I'm into more now like a drink that's got some good taste. Like wine, I just, red wine gives me too much of a headache. I can't do it. Like I can have a half of a glass. It's okay, but anything else, not really. Hey, Gregor, is limon and water not a cocktail? Hey, limon and water is very good, but that's more of like an on the rocks, crushing it. When I'm partying. Now I'll sit down and have one. The problem is if I have a Bacardi Limon in water, it goes down too fast. Right? I can't really, I, I can't sip it. This is too good. So not, um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily be my favorite. It's my favorite, I, I should say, it's my favorite party drink. 
If I know that I'm like, okay, we're going out and we're tearing it up, then yes. But I don't have many of those nights as much anymore. So, you, know, you enter a different phase of your life where you're, you know, those are those are still good times. They're just not as there's not as often uh, as all. So uh, we'll see. Lots of uh, lots of people like the Mai Tais. Really? I have a Mai Tai on holidays. I don't know why. For some reason, I feel like it's it's like a holiday drink for me. I don't think I've ever had one in Edmonton. Actually, I know for a fact I've never had one in Edmonton. More of a travel around, have fun type of beverage. So we'll see. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, Ryan Rashog will join us. Oh, I can only imagine what his favorite cocktail is. Let's get to the uh, con man and a sports center update brought to you by Edmonton. Kubota, all the power you need to get the job done, engineered for adaptability and versatility on the field. Kubota's lineup of agricultural tractors are suitable for all your Canadian farming needs. Go to edmontonkubota.com.